0: is in the house he's speaking to his people amen i wanted you to know uh, that if you didn't already know you're in a growth period amen this is i i can see the body of christ growing even exponentially i can see the body of christ accepting the mantles of sonship amen i can see maturity coming I can see growth. Those that were babies yesterday are not babies anymore. They're becoming young adults, understanding how to release the very Word of God. Amen? I see greater responsibility upon the shoulders of God's people. That's amazing. It's amazing. I see the people of God looking and operating and making decisions by the Spirit. What a change that is. Amen? You know, before we were saved, we hung out at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we made decisions in our lives based on what we wanted, based on what our own desires were. Amen? But the day that we're in now, the sons are being, they're growing up. They're taking on greater responsibility. They're taking on greater authority and greater mantles. Amen? I have a question for you. Lighten it up a little bit. When you were young, do you remember dreaming about what you wanted to be? Huh? Come on, talk to me. Do you remember? Some of the things that you four, five, six years old. Do you remember? I remember showing my Do you remember the dreaming about those things and telling your friends and for the most part, maybe they didn't come true. How many of you came true for you? I wanted to be a fireman at one point. <laughs> I thought it was the coolest thing to ride around on a great big truck with a great big horn going through and fighting fires and being the hero, being the one that would come to the rescue. John. You know, when you're five years old. I knew what I Yeah? Like in the aviation, I was a little kid. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> Yeah. I'm I'm with you there, Jeff. I wanted to be a pilot shortly after that. I remember uh, mowing the lawn. I got $3 a week for mowing the lawn. It took like two or three hours. I don't know. It was one of those push mowers. But I was young and three bucks, and after about five weeks of savings, I had enough money to go up to the Lebanon airport and rent a plane and have a pilot take me up. And so I'd gather all my friends, and we'd go flying. And I thought, this is what I'm going to do. Forget the firefighter. I'm going to be a pilot, right? <laughs> so I decided that, and I'm going to share this with all my friends. So I brought my friends up, and it was like $12 to rent this plane for an hour. I was probably nine years old, six years old. I don't know, very young. And uh, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, if you could just do this 24-7, it would be the most awesome thing. So the first time we went up and within 15 minutes I was sick as a dog and I was in really bad shape and oh my gosh, I thought, well, okay. So I saved another four weeks and I tried it again, same thing. So after about three bouts of that, I decided, well, I don't know if I can be a pilot, right? So more, you change your your dreams and it's something else. And maybe about 10 years ago, my parents... Bought Aaron uh, a uh, an hour's flight uh, in a plane up at in at the airport, and uh, as it turns out, they all wanted me to go with him and experience this father son thing. I'm like, oh boy, I I feel really good right now. And so anyway, I did. I d- agreed to go in the back, and we no longer got off the runway where the pilot looked at Aaron and said, uh, "Do you want to drive?" And Aaron's like, "Really." And he he looked back at me and he's like, "What do I do?" And now Aaron's maybe ten years old." And I'm like, "Aaron, yeah, say yes. Grab that wheel. Grab that thing that you steer with." And so he grabs it and and it was like a roller coaster. It was I could see the ground out of the front of the plane at times and he would make turns around our house so we could see it, and I could see the ground, like, right there, because it was up so steep, and I was having such a hard time. But this guy made me feel like, no matter what Aaron did to that airplane, that he could fix it in five seconds. That's the way he made me feel. That's the way, the demeanor that he carried himself. So I really wasn't worried about crashing, though I did want to jump out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh And I was so sick, and I decided to myself, if I pass out, that's going to be okay, because Aaron will never get another chance to experience what he's experiencing today. So we went around the house about three or four times, and Aaron said, can we go right up over the top of Mount Escutney? And the guy says, you're driving. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be hard. And so we started to climb and climb, and the pilot looks back at me, and he says, Oh, my gosh, your dad is in some serious trouble. We have to go back to the airport, and we have to go right now. I'm ringing wet with sweat. The whole seat is sweat. I feel like I just came out of a shower. I'm throwing up in the little bag that's off to the side, and it's a really bad situation. And I got onto the ground. And I went for the car, and I wanted to climb in the back of the car and lay down, but the parents wouldn't let me. I had to drive home, everybody that was with us. And I threw up three times on the way home. I got home, and I start, I laid down, and I slept for two days. Oh, slept for two days. Wow. The point that I'm trying to make is we all have, <laughs> did you lose the point? The point that I'm trying to make is we all have dreams, we all have things that we wanted to be growing up, we all had aspirations, we all had things that we wanted to achieve and become. And sometimes those things don't come true. Sometimes there are other circumstances that take place that either derail them or put them on our side or put you on a completely different course. What I found out since then is I did have the passion to be a pilot and I wanted to fly helicopters and all those things, but because of you know, the motion sickness and so on, I was really never able to do it. And I've talked to doctors about medication and all kinds of things. And even when I fly today, I have to medicate myself with things down at the CVS pharmacy to be able to do it. But the thing is, I was called to operate in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual places to be able to know and discern. And that was the calling. And I didn't know it at the time. Amen? So what do you do with unrealized expectations? Every single one of you have dreams, and some of the dreams are absolutely from the Lord, and some of them are coming from other places. What do you do with the unrealized dreams? When you become a Christian and you're saved, you begin to walk in maturity, and I'm so encouraged because I'm seeing that in this body of believers. I'm seeing the growth come to you. I'm seeing the situations of life being presented to you, and you're seeking God. You're seeking the Lord. You want to walk by the Spirit of the living God, so much so that you want to please Him, and encourage Him, and have fellowship with Him, and that's a place of maturity. That's a place of growth. That's a place of where you're rising up, and you're becoming to be who God created you to be. Lonnie is forever asking us to remember Psalms 139. Yeah. And I want to read it again to you today because even though you had dreams when you were five or seven or nine years old and the dreams were immature, like riding on the, you know, the, the fire truck because it was cool and red. and you know, I wasn't mature. I didn't understand, but that's what was drawing me. So when we're adolescents and when we're young, we have these ideas of who we want to be. But God's word goes back so much farther than what we can remember in our natural minds. And so in Psalms 139, he says, I formed you. I formed your inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I praise you and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. We talk about the books of heaven. God authored and penned who you are to be in your life. He anointed and He sanctified and He brought you to a place even in your mother's womb of saying this is who I'm creating this one to be and this is where they'll live and this is the anointing that I'm going to put on them and this is the growth pattern that they're going to have. This is the favor that I will be a, and He wrote that in a book. And you're now finding out what that book is written about you. Now the Bible has a lot of uh, un, almost unlimited clues in it of who you're to be, but there is a book written specifically about you, and you're beginning to find out what that book says about you. You're beginning to have spiritual dreams and discernment, and I'm seeing revelation come in our just in places of today. You're you're growing in places of that you were not growing years ago. Amen. For I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you a future and a hope that you can call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God is saying, When you call upon me, I will listen. My ears are attentive to your cry. You will seek me, and you will surely find me when you search with me for all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. All through the Bible, God wanted people to trust him. In every single story, going back to Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they had a story that was written about them. But the natural story that they thought was going to play out in their lives was different than what God had planned. In almost every case, even Moses says, don't send me. Send somebody else, right? Jeremiah, the prophets. They all had to come to a place of embracing the heart of God. And then the power and the anointing and the favor came, and that's where you are today. You're embracing the heart of God. You're embracing the Word that is written about you in the heavenly realms that was penned by your Father before you were born. And then He took that he took that idea, that understanding, and He fits you together in the womb. And He made you who you are, fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, it wasn't by chance, and it's just not by nature. God knew, and He said, In order to fulfill this word, I've got to create this person to be like me. I've got to create this person to have my spirit inside them. I've got to create a heart of hunger that I long, that this person longs to come back to me. You see, sometimes bad things happen to us. Sometimes things happen to us that we are uncomfortable with, and we say, if there is a God, right? Sometimes we get sick. Sometimes nobody, when they're five years old, says to themselves or their parents or their friends, I want to grow up to be a drug addict. I want to grow up to be an alcoholic. I want to grow up to be something... They don't say that. It doesn't happen, but sometimes life leads us on a journey that's really troublesome. A couple of weeks ago, I was so sick. I was at work and I was doing stuff and my back of my leg starts getting really tight and I'm thinking, that's really strange. So I went into the bathroom and I'm looking at the back of my leg and there's this great big welt on it and it looks disgusting and gross and all of a sudden I'm starting to get really dizzy. And nauseous, and I told the guys I got to go home and lay down. So I went home for two days, laid down, and got really worse. Saturday morning comes, Sarah comes into the bedroom and says, "How you doing, Dad?" And I couldn't answer her, and she goes, "We have to go to the hospital right now." And I'm like, "Well, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I can't get up. I'm I've been throwing up all night. I, you know, on and on." She goes, "Dad, we have to go now." And so eventually, I get in the car. It took about an hour for me to get in the car. I got in the car, threw up all the way there. It was the longest ride I've ever experienced from Plainfield to to the hospital. I get to the hospital, and uh, I went into the the place, not the ER, the other place, the walk-in clinic. And they looked at me and said, "We have to get you to the ER right now." And I couldn't walk. I I just I was so weak and throwing up that Sarah got a wheelchair so Sarah's you know taking me through all the alleyways and so on and finally I got into the ER and uh, all of a sudden all these doctors come around and all these nurses and these technicians and I'm like what in the world I mean I got this cold and after that they admitted me and I went to another part but the other part where they admitted me was behind two doors And everybody that came into the room had these smocks on and were dressed up full of stuff. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty bad. I feel like I'm in the belly of a whale, right? Jonah kind of thing, locked away in this old secret spot. And as the day went on, they're like, Sean, uh, it's good you came in when you did. You probably wouldn't have made it another day. And so they're explaining to me, your white blood count is is non-existent, and all. so they did X-rays and maybe 20 different vials of blood. There was this nice lady that came to my bedside about every 20 minutes to take blood, and uh, she was a really nice lady. But I had had enough of that, and my veins were somewhat collapsed, so they couldn't find them, and so they're stabbing me, and you know, and all those kind of things. After the MRIs and after the surgeries, and I'm like, well, so what was it? And they said, we don't know. We don't even know if the rash is related to what you're going through, but we're going to start our antibiotics immediately. So they started four antibiotics dripping into me. I was dehydrated. They gave me three or four other bottles of stuff and all these instruments around, and I thought, well, you know, God, why? 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 I'd been stressed out for months and, you know, it's, it's been a difficult couple of years for me. Anyway, to fast forward a little bit, the the third night I'm, sa- I'm there and the nurses are coming in about every 20 minutes, half hour to, to fill the more bags and to give me all kinds of things. They were giving me shots in my stomach of every few hours and just on and on, weird stuff. And about 2 a.m., I decided that no matter how sick I am and no matter how awful I feel, I'm going to seek the Lord. And I'm going to start praising Him. And I'm going to worship. And after about an hour or so, I was taken into the realm of the Spirit and I was in a field. And the field was a springtime field. And it was full of flowers and it was on a gentle sloping hill. And the Lord was there. And we were running through the field having the greatest time. And I thought, wow, that's... Not what I expected. I expected, you know, the spiritual Jesus would come to the side of my bed, touch me, say some real spiritual words, right? And I would be healed. Instead, I find myself in a field running around like a little kid. And we were having the greatest time. And from that moment on, I started to improve. And I think it's prophetic for the body of Christ knowing all of the people that have been in the hospital just in the last month and the attacks that have come and the demonic spirits that want to come and derail who you are as an individual to try to get you to give up and do something else and say, this isn't for me. You know, God has written about you with the books of heaven in its pen and in God's heart... He will be ever faithful to carry on that vision of who He has created you to be. But you know it's not a done deal. You have a choice to participate by a decision. And you can say to yourself, I'm going to remove myself from this because it's demonic and it's hard and it's an attack and I just didn't sign up for this. And you can decide to go and do something else. Like maybe when I was a kid, I, could, I can be a fireman even today. I can take some courses, I can take some classes, and I can fulfill a childhood dream. Irregardless of what God says about me, I could do that. And there would be favor on my life because I am a son of God. The problem is I may not fulfill the purposes of God that formed me To act and be and become the son that he has written about me to become. And so the message today is trust in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 3, 5. I have heard this so many times in the last few months. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. There's one couple of words in here. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Well, some Christians that are young Christians and don't understand what this Scripture means... Is like God. I'm gonna become a fireman, and I'm acknowledging you. You're God, and this is what I'm doing. That I acknowledge God. Hi, hi, God. I, I see. You. It's like the person on the other side of the street that you recognize when you're out and about. Hi, Terry. Hi, Terry. How you doing today? Good to see you. See you Sunday. I acknowledge her. I recognized her in public to say I know you. But then I went and did the rest of what I had planned for that day. This scripture isn't that. Hi God, you're Lord of my life. I love you. I've got salvation. See you Sunday. That's not it. It's to firmly rely on Him for everything that you do. It's to seek Him in every situation. It's to honor Him with your possessions and your, your strength. In some places it says to honor Him with your capital. Capital is like things that you own. Your home, your car, possessions. Let's bring it a little closer to home. Because I think that there is a real anointing for the sons of God to enter into a new place to walk in higher levels of authority and higher levels of anointing. But we have to understand what is written about us as far as God is concerned. Let's talk about something, the foundational things, the basic principles of what God said to do. All through the Old Testament and the New, God says to bring me tithes and offerings. He told Abraham that. You're not unique in that sense. But when we think about tithes and offerings, some of the first things that come to our mind are, oh, I can't afford it. I can't afford that. Oh, I'm just barely making it meet now. How can I possibly tithe 10% and give an offering? How could I possibly, uh, you know, um, the bills aren't being paid. This doesn't work. So we convince ourselves that our thoughts are higher than God's ways. Higher than God's thoughts, and we justify our actions to do what we really don't want to do in the soul realm. And I'm so encouraged because I'm seeing dramatic change in this body uh, in the realms of I do have a soul realm, but there's a spiritual realm. And I'm starting to see people walk in higher places of authority in the spirit. Not discounting the soul realm, but not allowing it to take over. Not allowing it to make the decisions. Not allowing it, not submitting to it and saying, well, this is what I feel. This is what I want to do. You're starting to to operate in the principles of God. God says to tithe, so I'm going to tithe. God says to give an offering, so I'm going to give an offering. God says, and it's not this law thing, I'm seeing the heart condition of of individuals wanting to give back to God to bless Him and encourage Him and to be the son that they're created to be. Amen? Amen? So why is it so hard to take His written word? Because your soul man still wants to serve himself. Your soul man still wants to be the one in control. The problem is when you do that, you put yourself above God. You discount the leading of the Spirit, and you say, well, that's not for me. And I'm starting to see the breakthroughs and the giants fall. I'm starting to see the giants that were in our land and the places where we live. I'm starting to see the camps disintegrate. I'm starting to see the confusion that they wanted to put on you be turned back upon their own heads. And I'm starting to see the Word of God have more value in your lives by the things that you believe and the things that you are going after. I'm starting to see real spiritual growth. Young adults becoming the, the, okay with mantles placed on their shoulders. Mantles of God. Mantles of, that, are, that were part of the story that were written about you in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the times before you were formed. God came up with your story and then He said, I'm going to bring this story into flesh. I'm going to create this story into a walking, living person so that they can walk on the earth and demonstrate to others who I am. You're made in His image. You're made in His likeness. And the more and more we choose to discount the realms of the soul, the selfish three-year-old that wants to be a fireman because that's what everybody's going to look at, right? The horns are blaring down the street and it's the coolest thing ever. The more you say, God, what do you have for my life? What's written about me in the books of heaven? God, would you bring those and reveal them to me? Dreams, visions, revelation, understanding, studying His words, not letting Him go. Every single person that I know of in the, in the Bible went through a period of time of dramatic testing. Yes, you are in the hospital. Yes, you are. Have doctors going in and out of your room, you know, dozens of times an hour, and you can't sleep and you're uncomfortable. But there is a God who still wants to be known as the the great deliverer, the one who delivers you out of the trial and out of the darkness. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 3 9 through 12. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Some say with your capital. And with the fruits of all your increase. Do you have something today that you didn't have last week? Do you have something today that you didn't have yesterday? Honor the Lord with it. Because that's how sons are called to function in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, he's talking to the sons, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the father, the son in whom he delights. The Amplified says in Proverbs 3, 9, with the fruits of all of your income. And there are so many scriptures. And we're learning the basic things. These are basic things of the Lord. These are not like the latest revelation in the kingdom. of. These are things that go all the way back. (laughs) And so if you're sitting here listening to my voice and you go out of here saying, well, there was a word on tithing. Okay, you need to work that out with the Lord. It's between you and Him. And I would suggest that there probably aren't too many ways to come up with the reasoning that you don't have to obey His Word. There aren't too many ways that I can think of that are going to let you off the hook to not do what He's commanded His sons to do. Amen? So as I close, God is committed to seeing the full work that He started complete in you. God's word to us is He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And we may find ourselves in places of hardships and in hospitals and doctors and so on, but God said in last tabernacles, your pain will never be wasted. He spoke that as a trumpet at Tabernacles. That means everything you and I go through, is for a reason. And He is committed to bring you through out to the other side to be like His Son. Amen? There were people even in Paul's time that were going through the same thing we're going through today. We want to be spiritual people. We want, to be, we want to be able to travel in spiritual places. We want to be able to discern. We want to be able to execute His Word and release it upon the camp of our adversary. We want to be like David, not intimidated by the giants, but by faith, taking the sword of the Spirit and executing His vengeance on the, on the, in the shackles and the places that intimidate us. And that's where you're going. There's confidence being built up in you, not the confidence of the soul man, by the things that you have or the intelligence that you are. But because God intends on you being a spiritual person to represent His voice on this earth, He's committed to purifying who you are. Now your job is to agree with that. And at times I'm like, I'm out of here. There are times in this year, I'm going to be honest with you. In these times in these past four years that I've been so sick, God, if you want to take me now, I'm ready to go. Not in places of suicide, not in places of derailing what God wanted to do, just an acknowledgement God, I really have nothing left. My hopes are shattered, my dreams are shattered. I don't see any way out of this. I can't imagine how this is going to be solved, how, this is, how I can be healed. But these are the days of deliverance. These are the days where instead of at 2 a.m. in the morning, you're so sick and the doctors can't figure out what's wrong, and there's four IVs dripping different kinds of antibiotics into your body because they don't know which one it is, so they're given everything that they have. That was not my healer. My healer was in a spiritual place, finding myself in a place of peace with the Lord, in a field with flowers and pleasant things. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Joy. And understanding that there's an impartation in the realm of the Spirit where now you can take on, that's the lie, this is the truth. And God allows you to walk in the places of truth where they become more significant than the lie. And change begins to happen. Heaven aligns with earth. And there's unity. Unity man can't drum up and can't fashion. Money doesn't bring unity. Being in the same place doesn't bring unity. Unity is something God can do supernaturally in your heart, in my heart, in the place, in this place that we have. So I want to encourage you there is a book written about you, He wants you to fulfill that book. Stop running. Stop going the other way. Stop trying to convince yourself that you don't have to do what God has been asking you to do and His foot's in your back and He's been pressuring you. You've got to be a part of the body of Christ the way He has planted you. It won't work any other way. You have to become what is written about you and nothing else. And there is power and there is authority coming and the giants will fall and the Goliaths will no longer be able to taunt you and torment you every single day, every single night. Because what is a lie is what He wants you to focus on. But the word that is written about you is life and peace and joy and authority and relationship and this ongoing communication with Him so that you can demonstrate to other people what He's like. And we're in a place right now where the lie is being so exposed that it has less of a hold on you. And the truth of the sonship of the living God is entering your hearts and it's entering your minds and it's entering your nights and your dreams and the way you see yourself and the way you think about yourself. And there's this transition happening that only God can do the only thing that you can do is agree with where He has you. I will praise you in the midst of the storm. I will raise a hallelujah. I will shout louder than the places of my enemy. I will sing praises to you. Though it looks like the darkest hour of my life and I might not survive until tomorrow, you are still God. That's where I see you. Where you're coming to. Impossible places to overcome. If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need a deliverer. And He wants to be known as your personal and intimate deliverer in the 2 a.m. hours of the morning where there doesn't seem like you can go too many more hours. And is this the day of my death? No. Because there's a word that my father penned before he assembled me in my mother's womb to fulfill a destiny. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. Philippians 1.6, I'm going to leave you with this. Just as in the days of old, the people were going through the things we're going through, but there was a prophet that came and announced to the community. He said, I am convinced and sure of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ right up to the time of His return developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in You. That was the message so many years ago. And that is the message today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise
1: the Lord. Thank you, Sean. You wanted to be a beetle? Come on! That's what I'm talking about, Brian. I want to hold your hand. I remember that on Ed Sullivan. I want to hold your hand. That was crazy. I didn't like the. I didn't like the Beatles. Sorry. I had I had a cousin I had a cousin that she had every Beatle album there was. Father, we thank you for destiny. Thank you for destiny. We thank you for that which has been written concerning us. And it is now being fulfilled. Amen. All right, please for anyone that would be willing to help next door, we would really, 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 really thank you. Make sure you take time out as well. Make, there's plenty of food over there. There's lots and lots of food. Ooh, lots of strawberries. Oh, time to freeze strawberries. Time to time to freeze strawberries. Make some uh, strawberry shortcake, some strawberry poise. So we bless you. We thank you. Remember, next Saturday, Shaw's, please check with Kevin any place that you can give an hour, two hours, anything you can do to help. Many hands may like work, but it's also, it's just amazing the relationships, the people that come and stop, that you have access to talk to. Because it's all appointed by God. Amen. Hallelujah. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name.